This episode is brought to you by Get Mobile ID, the smart choice for MDL implementations. Put citizens in control with Get Mobile ID, fully ISO compliant and UL certified for all transaction modes. Learn more at getgroupna.com. Welcome to AnvaCast, bringing news, information, and expertise to the Anva community. Now celebrating our 90th anniversary. Here's your host, Ian Grossman. Enjoy the show. Welcome back, everyone. Uh, this week, I have a special guest. It is the IACP Trooper of the Year Award recipient, Master Trooper Tony Shuck from the Florida Highway Patrol. Tony, welcome to your first appearance on our AnvaCast. Good morning, and thank yeah. you for having me. And congratulations. Uh, that's a, It's a big deal to be recognized this way by your peers and by that community. Absolutely, yeah. It was, it was definitely overwhelming, the whole... The whole experience has been overwhelming, but yeah, it was greatly appreciated. Uh, so let's talk about, let, let's start with the specific incident that led to the the, the recognition a little bit, uh, a little more than a year ago now, I guess, March of 2022 um, on the Skyway Bridge in Florida. And I guess we should maybe set the stage. Uh, those of us who have been to Florida know the Skyway Bridge and know, you know, just that in of itself is an iconic structure. But, you know, people are listening all over the world and they may not know about that. Can you help tell us a little bit about the, the Skyway bridge and why it is so iconic sure so um the skyway bridge was built i believe in the early 80s something like that it's a little bit before my time but um at some point it was hit by a freighter um Mm -hmm. and a section of the bridge had collapsed into the water and they had i believe 35 deaths Mm -hmm. um and so obviously when a bridge collapses and there's you know fatalities it's a big deal um, it took a few years for them to rebuild it, but they did rebuild the Skyway Bridge. And now it is the iconic Skyway Bridge that spans from Pinellas County into Manatee County. And it's actually a, a quite um, beautiful bridge, especially at night, because um, the state of Florida has uh, installed lights on the bridge. Mm. And for whatever month it might be, if it's breast cancer awareness or... Um, uh, they, they light it up all different colors for whatever the month might be. And it's, I'd say it's a relatively, I mean, it's certainly not the, the tallest or the longest bridge everywhere, but it's a pretty tall and a pretty long bridge relative to what people think of in terms of an average bridge. Right. The bridge span is about a little over four miles. Um, but, um, it's really iconic because it has these cables that attach to towers and, Mm. um, it's just, it's really, it's just really a nice, a nice looking bridge to, to see. And if I remember correctly, driving it, um, it's a fairly aggressive incline. It's not, you know, it's not like you're taking your time to go way up and then your time to go way down. It goes up pretty steep and then you start making your way back down. If I remember right. correctly. Right. It is, it is pretty steep. I don't know what the actual incline is. But sure. I do yeah. know that if you were walking or running it, it definitely is going to put uh, an effort for you. Yeah. So speaking of walking and running it, what a great segue that is. Yeah, yeah. Uh, You know, that was the day, March 6, 2022. It was a, a race that I guess they were, was the whole bridge closed for this race? Is that the, the scenario we are looking at? Okay. So um, the uh, Armed Forces Foundation, they are the ones that put on the Skyway 10K. Mm. And the, the, that race takes place over the northbound lanes. Okay. So we, we only shut down the northbound lanes um, of the Skyway Bridge. So southbound can continue. Northbound is what gets shut down. Got it. 
And so we, this is the morning of March 6th. I would assume it's a race. Those things always seem to happen at an ungodly early hour of the day. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So um, we always arrive the night before. And the reason mm. is, is that there's a lot of logistics that go into a race like this. Obviously, this is part of an interstate system for the state mm -hmm. of Florida that they have to shut down. So there is a lot of planning, none of which I'm involved in. I'm just, right. you know, there for the security part of it. But um, so we get there the night before, usually about 11 o'clock. And um, we usually are there to support the foundation in the beginning. Um, you know, if, if they, they need uh, somebody to drive the location to make sure that there's no debris, there's no cars. Um, mm -hmm. We just have our personnel staged wherever they might need us before the race. Okay. Um, and then about three o'clock the morning of the race. So that was, it's always on a, I think okay. it's always on a Sunday morning. So it was that Sunday morning on March 6th in um, 2022. Um, we shut the road down at three o'clock because they also have to prep. Obviously mm -hmm. they have sure. to get, they have to get the, um, the water stations out. They have to put, um, you know, some, some porta potties for people to use restrooms. They put the cones out for the buses, mm -hmm. um, because there's a lane that is, um, primarily for the buses that drop the people off that are running. So there's a lot of logistics that go into the race prior to the actual race. Of course. So that's, that's all happening. And you, you arrive at 3am for your shift or. So I arrived at 11 okay. and, um, I staged at probably a little bit before three o'clock where just before they shut the road down, yeah. um, they shut the road down. Um, you see all the U-Haul trucks come in with, yeah. and they, they bring in fencing. And when I say fencing, it's like that parade fencing. It's nothing. Right. It's very temporary. It's nothing significant. It's not going to um, stop a moving vehicle. Right. Right. Um, so they bring the fencing in, all the volunteers are there, um, and it's pretty uneventful until about six o'clock in the morning, just before the race starts. Okay. That's when the waves of the runners come in. Gotcha. And where, I, where I'm stationed is at the south end of the bridge. So I say the south end of the bridge but it's actually northbound. So it's to the entrance of the northbound lanes. And, and also logistically in that area, there's also an entrance to a rest area. Mm -hmm. So not only do I have the two lanes that are going northbound onto the bridge that I have to, you know, maintain, but I also have that entrance to the south, one of the south end rest areas. And that's where a lot of the, um, the workers stage in the beginning. And then mm -hmm. that's where all the runners come in and start to um, line up for the actual beginning of the race. Got it. So you have a starting even early in the morning, it's still dark out, people are congregating, you're getting masses of people, and you get a call over the radio that a driver is looks to be impaired and moving aggressively through the corridor. Is that an accurate observation? No, very accurate. So, yeah. you know, we, it starts at six and we usually get like an all clear about 10, 30, 11 o'clock and about eight 45 that morning, we got a radio transmission from the South or, well, I say the South or, which really I don't think is proper, but um, <laughs> the, the, the furthest Southern point of the, um, of the detail they, uh, there was a checkpoint there. They were detouring cars around um, from coming up onto the interstate. And mm -hmm. we had gotten the, the radio transmission that I call, our car had broken through the, de the detour and mm -hmm. was traveling northbound. And one of those officers, because I believe there's two officers at that post, one of the officers was going to, you know, pursue her, him, whoever it was, mm -hmm. and try and get them stopped. And so 
um, hearing this on the radio, originally I was facing northbound, facing the Skyway Bridge, because I always like to see the runners. You know, I get I get to mm-hmm. see them get off the buses and they're stretching, and um, it's they, they get to wear like little outfits, uniforms. Some of them wear like capes, and it, it is mm-hmm. um, the arm uh, for uh, the Armed Forces Foundation, and they they are running for veterans. That's their foundation, mm. and so you know you see a lot of people wearing red, white, and blue. So I was actually facing the Skyway Bridge. And, um, ultimately the only thing I originally did was I just turned my truck around, you know, just to see, um, had she started to come my way that I would see her obviously. Mm -hmm. So, um, a few seconds after that first radio, well, maybe 30 seconds after that, that first radio transmission, um, the officer that was pursuing her got on the radio again, said, listen, she's not stopping. Um, she's in excess of a hundred miles an hour and, um, she's pulling away from me and I'm starting to lose sight of her. And that's when the knot in your stomach, um, you know, starts to tighten and the hairs on the back of your head and the back of your neck stick up and you're thinking, okay, um, what is this driver's intention? Where where are we going with this? Mm -hmm. Um, And so um, also further south of me, besides that original um, post, there's another post um, with a couple more officers, just another, you know, another post that we have for safety. And, um, so I'm thinking, okay, she's coming, but these, these other guys are going to get her. They're going to, they're going to get her stopped. And with that, um, our, the, the, the sergeant that, um, that schedules the detail, he got on the radio and he's like, y'all need to start heading towards the toll plaza, which the toll plaza is maybe about a half a mile from where my um, post is at. So, at this point, I pretty much stayed stationary because in my mind, once again, there's another checkpoint. They're going to get her right. stopped there. But one of the sergeants that was in the rest area, he had come out of the rest area and I saw him moving a little bit. And I'm like, OK, I'll start to follow him. I'll, uh, but I'm going to stay back because there's nobody else behind me. I, I know this because I know, you know, we know logistically where all of our troopers right, where are. Everybody's lined up. Right. Yeah. yeah so. Um, you know, I know we have that first checkpoint. I know we have that second checkpoint behind me. I know there's me. I know there's a couple guys in the rest area, but I know that there's nobody that's blocking that parade fencing. There's nobody else there. Your vehicle is the last physical object between the open corridor and the racers. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And so, um, when I see him drive past me, I'm like, okay, again, in my mind, they're going to get her stopped, but I'm going to follow him, but I'm going to stay back. And so, um, the second checkpoint, they got on the radio and they said, you know, you hear her, hear them say, uh, she's coming, she's coming. And now I can physically see her. I can see her approaching the toll plaza and, Mm you know, these are just seconds that you have to make a decision. And I'm thinking to myself, what am I going to do with this? You know, um, I'm in a larger vehicle. I have a Tahoe. Um, it's Mm -hmm. a marked unit. It has lights on. So I'm thinking that any normal prudent person is going to see that truck and they're going to stop. So I just, I just, I made the decision that I was going to stand my ground, that I was going to remain in the roadway to be sort of like an obstacle for her, an obstruction of the road. And hopefully she's going to see this and she's going to stop. So she, um, she came through the toll plaza and just ahead of me was, like I said, another sergeant. And he had, he, I think in his mind, which we'd spoke about later, he had positioned his vehicle a little bit off to the side, 
which his intent was to get spun around to possibly do a pit maneuver on her. Hmm. Um, and he was in a charger. And so when he, when I saw her go past him, I'm thinking, Oh, here we go. You know, this is, you know, it's game on. It's me. So from my point of view, she was, she veered a little bit to my left. And so I veered the truck to the left into that, um, that lane. And then she started to veer to, to my right. And so I veered the truck to the right. And then, Again, and it, you've seen the video, I'm sure. I'm driving very casually with one hand, you know, because I'm not expecting anything other than her stopping or possibly swerving and going off the road into the guardrail. And um, at that last few seconds, she makes the decision that she's going to hit me head on, and that's mm. what she does. Jeez. And, yeah, so um, split-second decisions is what we have out here, and that was just um, – the crash was not my decision. The crash was hers. And, uh, but fortunately it, it got her stopped. She didn't get past me and she didn't hurt anybody on that bridge. So when she hits you, it, it's head on and she's going, do we know what speed she was going at at that point where she, the point of impact? Yeah. So, um, prior to the, you know, the officer said that she was in excess of a hundred miles an hour, but because she had to come through that toll plaza um, and there's, you know, those single lanes, I think she slowed down a little bit, but she didn't slow down much because it was estimated to be anywhere between 60 to 70 miles an hour. And I had slowed, you know, I'd slowed my truck down. I was moving maybe at one, two miles an hour, just enough to, you know, maneuver the truck left, right. But, um, yeah, so I took the, the impact of her energy from the, from the crash. And then what happened at the point, the point of impact? So at the point of impact, um, I didn't lose consciousness. Thank God. I, um, you know, you're stunned. You're like yeah. days. Um, of course, airbags are going off. The OnStar is going off. My radios, you know, I hear the guys on the radio um, screaming, get an ambulance. We have a, you know, one of our units involved in a crash. The truck has side curtain airbags, which makes it hard. Not only that, in a, in a crash, obviously, you know, the truck has been compressed now. I can't get the doors open. So now panic sets in. Um, I got to get myself out of the truck. I'm worried about a fire because, you know, that's always mm -hmm. in the back of your mind of a, of a vehicle fire. So um, the sergeant that had been originally ahead of me, he was the one that got to me and got the door open and was able to shimmy, shimmy my way out of the truck and... Uh, so when I get out of the truck, I don't necessarily, I can't see her, but I can hear her. I can hear the other officers yelling at her and I can hear her saying something, but I, I can't, I can't make out the words because mm -hmm. again, you're still stunned. You're still of course. dazed. I mean, you, you take a 70 mile an hour hit. Yeah. Um, you're, you're in a state of shock. If you're, yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I get sit down and then once, um, you know, once you, you see, what had happened. I saw the, my truck, I saw her car and then it sets in and that's when you start to panic. You know, you're like, Oh my God, you know, what did, what, what did I just do? What did we just do? What, 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 what's going to happen here? Um, you know, there's a bunch of emotions that go through your mind and then, then that's when the pain sets in, you know, that's when the adrenaline, the adrenaline's starting to go down mm -hmm. and that's when you mm -hmm. realize I got, I got to go to the hospital. So I was, so what, I was luckily to at least walk away from it though. That's amazing. Yeah. So what, what type of injuries did you, did you have? 
So um, I'm not getting into that part of it. <laughs> okay, that's because, fine. <laughs> because we have, you know, some some litigation going on with that. But I will tell you, um, I will have permanent damage. And I am still seeing, um, you know, uh, seeking medical attention with doctor's appointments and visits yep. and therapy and, and all that stuff. So, so. So whatever the injuries were, it, you know, it's one, thankfully you are recovered enough where you're, you know, back to work. Yes, absolutely. Was there a time, there was a time there, I imagine that you weren't able to work at first. Yeah, I was out for about three and a half months. Um, and then once I came back to work, because I do commercial vehicle enforcement, so I'm just not patrol. I actually inspect. Oh, you're um, part of the, the Mixap family. Yeah. All listeners know very, very yeah, much about it. Yeah, cool. so I, okay. I'm inspecting the commercial vehicles. Yeah. So even once I got back to work, you know, you have to bend over, you got to yeah. contort your neck, you've yep. got to, you know, you got to look at certain components of those trucks and you got to strain. And so, you know, I realized that there was, you know, still some issues. So I had to do another six months of physical therapy just to continue um, to do what I'm doing. So, but I'm back then, on the road. Well, that's, that's amazing. Um, and then what were we able to find out about, about the driver? I know some you may not be able to share because of investigations and litigation, but mm-hmm. you know, um, I think it's become widely known now that the driver was impaired and that was the primary cause of the erratic behavior or correct me Cor- if I'm wrong. Correct. Yeah. Um, she's never given any statement to, you know, the reason why she did what she did. Um, her attorney has spoken on her behalf and said that she had no intent on hurting anybody and that she didn't even realize a race had been, you know, taking place. But I kind of find that hard to believe when we, sure. we you know, when it's not only just the day of the race, but they, they post it on, you know, social media. It's on the news. It is a uh, predominant race, obviously, mm-hmm. because it's shutting down the interstate. So right. it's not something that we just pop up overnight. Of course. And the race aside, clearly there's multiple vehicles that tried to stop her along the way that she just ignored. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. She had those two checkpoints and then the sergeant ahead of me and then me. So, yeah. Do you happen to know if any information has come out that she had a history at all of, of this or other of other driving behaviors? She, no. Um, as far as I'm aware, she has no history. No, yeah, you know, no, no, no drunk driving history. And she, I mean, amazingly enough, it sounds like she didn't lose consciousness either. And I'm sure she has whatever injuries she has. But I mean, honestly, for a front end impact at 65, 70 miles an hour, the fact that neither of you lost consciousness and both of you walked away in some form is, you know, that's a miracle in and of itself. Absolutely. Yeah. I know she did have some sort of injury because she did go to the hospital, the same hospital that I went to. Um, I don't know what the injuries were and if she's still, you know, suffering from any yeah. any after effects of it. But um, yeah, I, I do know she did go to the hospital as well. So to the degree that you're willing to to, to talk about it, um, you go through those few months of not working, you come back, you're, you're struggling with it. You know, you mentioned that when it happens, it's, you know, you got that, you get that pit in your stomach, it's, it's go time. Does it make it different to get back in the car? Does it make it different to consider a pursuit to, to do what you're doing. I mean, I'd imagine it has to shift your, your mindset in terms of now the way you're, you, you look at everything. Um, it, it does. You know what it puts in perspective for me, the reality that not every day is promised. Hmm. And so I've come to the realization of, and it doesn't matter whether it's the job that I do or whether you get into your car and are driving to work 
or driving to the gas station or driving to McDonald's to get a burger, life can be taken in an instant. Mm-hmm. And, and I know this because I've worked traffic homicide for 10 years. And so I've, I've dealt with the, you know, the, the severity of what a traffic crash and a fatality or serious injuries happens. And I, I don't think I took it for granted, but I just never really put it into the perspective of how precious our lives are. Mm-hmm. So I've come to the, uh, and my husband, my husband doesn't really care for this, this motto, but you know, you've got to live every day to its, to the, to the fullest yeah. within reason, of course, you know, I'm not gonna, <laughs> I'm not gonna go spend my retirement, you know, to go take a trip to France or anything like that. But, um, you know, within reason, you've got to live like not it's your, your, it's your last day, but that when you close your eyes right. at night that you've done everything that you possibly can. And so I'm still working the same way as I was before. I'm not um, hesitating. I'm not avoiding any areas. I've driven over the Skyway Bridge several mm-hmm. times. You know, a lot of people mm-hmm. think, oh, you know, you know I don't think I could. Yeah. <laughs> no, no. You know, I, I, I have that's part that's part of my therapy. That's that's yeah. it's therapeutic to go back there. And then, you know, you have triggers. Um, there are certain things that I think about. Um and I tell everybody the same thing. Um, when I went over the Skyway Bridge in that ambulance, you're sitting in the back and you have those two those two windows in the back. And um, in my mind, when the crash happened, prior to the crash happened, I know there's people there. I know there are physically people on that bridge. But now I'm going over the bridge in the ambulance and I can physically see these people. And it really puts the realization of had she gotten past me, she could have hurt every single one of them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's a trigger. Um, another trigger is not so much anymore, but when I originally first saw that truck and I had to go see it um, in person after the crash, mm-hmm. um, just looking at the damage and seeing, you know, how bad it was, how bad it could have, how, how more worse it could have been. But then I also, and people, you know, kind of chuckle at this. I really am thankful that I was in that truck because I have a, I I feel in my heart, you know, not only do I have a guardian angel, obviously, Mm -hmm. but I feel in my heart that that truck helped save my life. Yeah. Um, you know, it is who was in the charger, right? It could have been a very different. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, the size difference, um, you know, everybody thinks that I positioned the truck, um, you know, right front to right front to, uh, to hit. You did you know, a strategic maneuver. I didn't do that. <laughs> I wish I could have taken credit for that. But, um, you know, so I, I, I do. So there's sometimes I get very emotional when I see that truck to the point where my husband had it memorialized and he had it, you know, a scale model made of it. And, um, you know, I have a big picture of it on, uh, on one of the walls with some of the plaques that I've, I've received. Mm-hmm. Um, but, it's there's 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 a few triggers that you know will not set me off but will make me think of you sure. know the crash but i'm not doing anything differently i'm i'm still going out there inspecting those tanker trucks and still working yeah. roadside and i worked the um skyway that we had the, the the 10k race that we had this year on march 12th and i was out there and that was therapeutic too because i got to see a lot of the runners yeah. who were out the year before and you got to physically um, you know, greet them and they were able to thank me. And I think it, it helped them to, to know, you know, Hey, I'm here again. So. Yeah. 
Well, and you you share that part of the story, to, not surprisingly, modestly, as you're talking about all of this. But they they rightfully so really honored you at the race this year for what you did last year. Yeah, yeah, that was nice. Um, so typically we have a couple officers that start the race. They'll you know um, they they have the armed forces out there. Um, I think it's a, a National Guard unit. They shoot off some big cannons and stuff. And mm-hmm. it's a big formal um, beginning of the race. And so this year they had said, hey, let's have Tony um, go go over the bridge with them. And I said, that's great. I go, but who's at that south end of the bridge? Because I need to make sure that that south end of that bridge is secured. <laughs> <laughs> and they said, don't worry about it. We yeah. got it. You know, they obviously... Um, they took different precautions um, this year sure. than last year, and so you know, I, I felt I felt good going to the uh, the beginning of the race yeah. and and starting it off for them. Yeah, that's amazing. That's amazing. You saved a lot of lives that day. It's uh, you know, all the recognition is very very rightfully deserved. Um, you know, you mentioned your your husband. Um, I believe you also have children. How does the family react and support you through through an event like this? Well, so my husband is a, uh, he's a sergeant with the sheriff's office and so so he's, he's in the business. He's in, he's <laughs> in the business. And so, um, of course, when, you know, he got the phone call, he was really upset. And then once he got to the hospital, he was really upset. And then on the way home, he's like, um, I'm supposed to do the stupid acts, not you. So let's not do that again. And I said, okay, well, I didn't plan it, but okay. Um, but he, he really has, well, he's always been like my ground. I'm, I'm usually out in outer space and he's usually one that brings me back to earth. So Mm. he's, you know, he's always been my ground, um, my rock, my support. And he, he did a fabulous job, you know, taking care of me and making sure that, um, you know, everything got, got taken care of while I was down. Um, so my, I, I have two boys. My oldest son is in the air force. Um, he's stationed out in South Dakota and, um, he is my, he is my, um, aloof son. He's like, Oh, mm-hmm. mom was in a crash. Oh, you know, because I have been involved in other crashes yeah. before, you know, driving okay. for the state, not, not right. as significant yeah. as this one, of but course. you know, with the amount of miles that we put on, um, right. throughout Odds our career, yeah. it's gonna, it's gonna happen. And so, um, you know, he's like, Oh, and then I sit in the picture and he's like, um, he calls and he says, are, are you okay? And I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm all right. I'm good. So, but you know, he, um, he's a little distant, so he's not really, um, you know, he's not really in the, in the forefront of it. Um, my other son is a, uh, a deputy for a local, um, agency also, wow. and he's also in, in law enforcement. So he's, he was, um, Hey mom, uh, you didn't really need to hit her to get her to stop, you know, cause he's the rookie and he's like, I would have done this yeah. and I would have done that. And I'm like, uh, okay, kid. All right. Well <laughs> you get a few years of experience and then you come back and tell me what you would have done. So, but, um, they've been, they've been super supportive. Um, you know, they, uh, they've been able to, um, also experience some of the, uh, some of the awards and some of the experiences mm-hmm. that I've, um, I've been honored That's to nice. attend. So, um, yeah, they, uh, I, I've got a pretty good family. So what is that advice, whether it's to your, your, your rookie son or other, <laughs> you know, troopers that are preparing for this, you know, like even you said, you know, you, in that moment, you've got all the training, you have more than two decades of your own experience, you know, working, working the road. And yet in that moment, it still came down to instinct 
right. fueled by training, but right. really instinct. Yeah. Uh, what is your advice to others? I mean, this, you know, un- sadly, we're seeing these types of incidences happen more and more, whether it's a parade or a race or a gathering, and you see these vehicles that are making it through the barriers or going through a parade route, and it's horrific. Um from your experience, if you were to tell other law enforcement, hey, you know, this is what I did, right? This is now that I've done it, I might have done this or done this or this is what I did. And you all should really keep this in mind, whatever yeah. that lesson is. Yeah. Um, hopefully nobody ever has to go head on with a vehicle. But like yeah. you said, it is happening more and more and more. Um, and it doesn't even have to be a race. It's just out on the interstates now. We've um, you know, we have this um, epidemic of wrong way drivers, whether they are drunk yep. or they're just disorientated. Um, they're not familiar with the area. Um, so, you know, it, it could happen just on regular patrol. It doesn't have to be one of these, uh, you know, one of these special events. Um, the one thing I would say is that, um, if, you know, if, if that was to ever happen, slow down. Um, you know, if you know you're approaching a wrong way driver, slow down to the best of your ability. Um, I don't think that um, I could could give any advice because I wouldn't I wouldn't say to them, you know, this is what you're going to do head on because God forbid somebody got hurt, um, you know, saying, well, Trooper Shock said do this. No, I'm not saying that. I'm saying that um, you have two forces that are going to collide. Yeah. And if you have any impact or any ability to slow some of that force down, um, you know, I would just say slow down. The other thing is, you know, for just normal drivers, um, you, me, even when I'm on vacation or on my off time, I'm always driving in the right lane of the interstates. And some people are like, oh, they're slow. Uh, well, especially at night, because those mm-hmm. wrong way drivers are always going to be in that left lane coming at you mm-hmm. um, because they think they're on the right they side think of the in road. They're in the right lane. Right. So, so I've always taught my boys growing up and, and even, you know, I, there's a lot of times when I come home on the interstate, um, from an off duty job or working a detail or whatever it might be, I tend to drive in that right lane just in case, you know, one of those, you know, we come over one of those Mm -hmm. Hills and there's a wrong way driver. Um, but I I can't give any, like, I, I can't give any advice other than if you know that you're approaching or there's a call of a wrong way driver coming, don't go balls to the wall, you know, slow down and um, try to assess the whole situation. Um, again, I had just split seconds to make that decision. And the decision mm-hmm. wasn't to put her head on. The decision was to block and obstruct that road. But it, it got the job done and it, it stopped her and she didn't hurt anybody else. And we've had, you know, numerous officers in the area, um, especially our area, the Tampa Bay area, that um, have been killed in traffic crashes um, doing the same thing that I did, Mm -hmm, um, them mm -hmm. intentionally putting themselves um, head on with them. And, um, you know, I survived my crash. I don't, again, a guardian angel was with me. Um, I survived to, to, to help keep those guys' memories alive because they were the ones that paid the, the ultimate sacrifice of, you know, losing their life. Um, so it's, it's, and that gets to me too. You know, when I start talking about that, I, 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 ta- I tell people sometimes it's a bit of survivor's guilt because mm. <clears throat> 27 years in law enforcement, you've gone to enough funerals knowing that, you know, these other officers have, have done, um, have done their job. And they did it, you know, saving lives. 
And so, you know, there's a little bit of, of that trigger too that gets off. Um, but there's no specific advice um, other than if you know you're, you're approaching a wrong way driver, try to slow yourself down. Yeah. yeah. Well, Tony, um, thanks for sharing your story with us. Congratulations on the well-deserved recognition. I'm sure you would have been just as happy if it had never happened and got no recognition. I know that's the way those things go, but um, in that in that moment, the split-second decision, um, like you said, saved a number of lives. That that you know, and the fact that you are here to tell about it is a, a blessing for you, your family, and all of us. And I'm just honored that you would uh, spend some time to share your story with us happy you are back to work, you know, another time we could geek out over, you know, inspection levels and, you know, looking on the, <laughs> on the trucks because we do all that kind of work too at AMBA. But yeah. Um, yeah. Um, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Thank you. Yeah. I appreciate it. My pleasure. Thank you all for listening this week. Thanks to our producers, Claire Jeffrey and Chelsea Hadwin. Until next week, everyone stay well. Thank you for joining us for AMBACast. Hosted by Ian Grossman. Produced by Claire Jeffrey and Chelsea Hadwin. Music by Gibson Arthur. This episode was brought to you by Get Mobile ID by Get Group North America. Visit us at amvacast.podbean.com and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and Spotify.